Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it is mandatory minicamp. We've got practice notes. We've got audio from Mike McDaniel and a handful of players, including Cedric Wilson Jr., and you will not want to miss the breakdowns I got from Chase Edmonds and Teron Armstead and the insight they provided. A fun show today from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. All right, and with that... It is football season because I had a little bit of rest and a little bit of a reset over the weekend since we last talked. A much-needed weekend unplug. I was the officiant of one of my best friend's weddings. I had three jokes in the script, and they all landed. Nice. And the groom cried after every line of his vows, so he took a lot of the heat off me. Speaking of the heat, I don't want to talk about it. Still think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference, but the best team does not always win. We'll be back next year. Jimmy, MVP of the playoffs. And with that, again, it is football season because the Mariners, my baseball team, are annually done by June 1st, and right now, eight games under 500. That's about where I put them, but it has more to do with the fact that they have, like, one solid pitcher in the rotation and, like, five automatic outs in their lineup. But I digress, so football time. I want to make note first of the transition from When I first got here in 2020 and really in earnest began covering this team like daily in 2019 and the transition of talent and the way this roster has been built up under Chris Greer, Brandon Shore and this Dolphins front office and eventually now here under head coach Mike McDaniel and just looking out across that practice field and seeing Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Javon Holland, Teron Armstead, Melvin Ingram, you know, and that's just the marquee type of names, right? The guys, in addition to the players that we know and love, I mean, a Christian Wilkins, a Zach Sealer, a Jerome Baker, a Mike Gesicki, a, in this case, Chase Edmonds, Tua Tungavailoa, Nick Needham, Byron Jones. Like, there's so many guys out there that you just recognize every position group. You go through and you say, I want to keep an eye on that guy. No, 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 that guy. Oh, wait, wait, there's that guy too. Like every group you look around, There's just a lot of talent, and I know that's reflective of the mood I've seen on social media around this football team. You guys are pretty damn excited, and so am I. So with that, let's go ahead and start with the practice notes. Different order on the podcast today, since we did not hear from Coach or the players until after practice. So we go ahead and start with practice, and we start with the orange jersey, number 52, Alandon Roberts. And there was a lot of old-school hip-hop in there that I quite enjoyed. And when I say old school, I'm talking about like early Eminem. I think there was some Tupac in there. This was one of the better playlists, I thought. Or wait, no, I don't say that because if I want to say that, I have to get the orange jersey, right? And I don't have the orange jersey. I'm wearing aqua today. Actually, this shirt belongs to Frank. That's a Billy Madison joke for you. But a couple of notes here from the individual drills. And 
one thing I like to do when we get a new coach is to kind of see how those guys go through their individual drills. And since the entire offensive side of the staff is largely new, I was kind of paying attention to that. And we've heard this before from Trent Sherfield on drive time. That's the beauty of being here every day is that you get to kind of collect your thoughts and things that you've heard and things that you're told from the guys that are experts at it, like a Trent Sherfield, who on drive time talked about this and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle also talked about this in their media availability. We've also heard the same from the offensive line, like guys like Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, about how important it is to come off the football in this offense. So seeing the receiver group stressing that in a drill, working on the release packages, whether it's, you know, crossover step or a dummy uh, you know a slow release whatever the case may be they're doing all the the release packages they have but the way they fire off the ball that I thought was cool to see and then just watching all the talent in the room and knowing they've got Wes freaking Welker to lean on I feel so good about that group and something I pointed out to Big Seth watching this practice with him and this is something that he OJ and myself talked about on the post game show a lot last year on 560 WQAM the Miami Dolphins radio network was that the receiver room, I we thought, you know, needed that jolt, needed some fresh uh, perspective. And I think that Tyreek Hill, I mean, we can talk about, you know, the on-field production and the explosiveness of his game, what that does. But man, this dude sets a tempo at practice. We talked to him last week about it. And, he, you know, there's no veteran day off for you here in May because he's <laughs> he's running go routes. He's running full gassers. He's doing takeoffs. He's in every single drill. And he said, that's what I do, man. I come out here and I run full speed. I run fast. I go fast. And that's that kind of can only when you're, you know, your highest paid and your best player, arguably, are at that level. I mean, six Pro Bowls in six years, hard to argue against that when he's the one that's not jogging to drills, but running to drills. And he's kind of waving guys along. Hey, let's go to this spot. Hey, let's go over here and get this part done. He is getting guys to follow his pace, and we know that's fast. And he's setting a tempo that I think is going to maximize not just that room, but the entire team. And that's kind of what we've seen from some of the veterans that were added to this team across the board. We'll talk to Teron Armstead later on in this podcast and hear from him about imparting his wisdom in that young offensive line room, and then Melvin Ingram as well in terms of getting on the grass with the guys and helping out any way that he can. It's nice when you can add veterans who can produce results, but it's the best of both worlds when they are eager to help the younger guys as well. So we talked about Alandon Roberts catching the orange jersey for today. Who might be wearing it tomorrow, we wonder? I can't say because I don't have access to the tape and to go over all of that, but I do think that Noah Igbenogany made a case for it on this Wednesday, June the 1st. So we'll start in the defensive backfield, sort of here, because coverage sacks were the theme of the day, and so too were batted balls at the line of scrimmage. And Big Seth said to me a few times at practice, man, they sure are picking up right where they left off, aren't they, in terms of the defense. And we'll also hear from Chase and Tehran on that fact. Really good insight from those guys on just that. But remember that Austin Clark, Dolphins defensive line coach, they, that group led the National Football League in terms of batted passes at the line from defensive linemen, and Emmanuel Ogba led all defensive linemen in that category per pro football focus as well as pro football reference. And what's funny is that Tua is one of the league's least rejected passes throwers, pass throwers, passes throwers, I don't know, words, in the league. Zero batted balls last year. That's according to Football Outsiders. And two, the two highest percentages from Football Outsiders last year we're a pair of six foot five quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger. So which is it? 
Is it the quarterback? Is it the defensive line? That stat right there tells you it's the defensive line doing what they do best. Back to the defensive backfield and Noah Igbenogany. He's playing fast, man. He's flying around out there. And you often must take him for Javon Holland. And athletically, they kind of pair up that way because they both are so explosive. That's a good company, right? He came in for a would-be sack at one point. He was challenging the catch point all practice long. And we talked to him, what was it, two weeks ago? The first week of, of media availability here at practice or media being at practice, I should say. And what did he talk about but confidence, how that's key for him? I think we saw a big step today, or just from the off-season work in general, in that department. And it was evident on the final play of practice today. Jalen Waddle runs a takeoff route, and we know how he can run. And the ball's thrown a country mile down there off the arm of number one to Otunga Vailoa. And it's a good ball. It's in stride. It looks like Jalen's going to have a chance for the home run ball. But here comes number nine skying through the air to break it up. He got all kinds of dap after that one. That's one thing when you're watching practice plays you look for is you obviously you're watching to get your own feel, but notice who gets the dap afterwards. That's the best way to evaluate who did their job correctly when maybe you don't know. But this instance, it was obvious because he made the play on the football and all the guys gave him a big, big uh, celebration for that. Hell of a day for Noah Igbenogany. I thought Nick Needham was locked down once again. He's been so damn good in these OTAs. I thought Javon Holland, as he is wont to do, impacting the game or practice from everywhere on the football field. Same for Brandon Jones. This secondary, whew, I think P- pro football focus rated than the number second, the number two, Travis knows words, in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's there or number one. It's one of the two in the receiver group too. So I'm very impressed with the defensive backfield today, and that includes a lot more names, but just a couple of mentions here. I thought Eric Rowe, Javaris Davis, and Trill Williams all made some plays that I saw. At linebacker, Andrew Van Ginkle was in the backfield a lot. Jalen Phillips had a would-be sack, and he was impacting the pass pro on damn near a down-by-down basis. He gets reset. You know, you reset the line of scrimmage where you kind of move the guys back and force the quarterback to deal with a different pocket than what he was expecting or the running back to deal with a different launch point than he was expecting. He does that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I thought the line up front did well to keep those guys clean in the running game as well because linebackers had some some wide-open tackle attempts. Like Brandon Scarlett, he was in there for a would-be sack and had some really good work setting a hard edge on a couple of reps I saw. I thought Darius Hodge got his uh, had some good reps too, getting his hands on the football once and flying around pretty well. But up front, man, Christian Wilkins, that's the tweet. Him, him and Zach Sealer caused a ton of problems again. Broken record, and they do it from... We know they can do it from multiple positions. We saw Wilkins play multiple spots, you know, on game day tape the last couple of years. Same for Sealer. That's the same deal out here in practice. Both guys go on runs, whether it's deconstructing the interior or the edge, whatever the case may be. Those guys just continue to get the job done in practice and in games. And we saw that today. Uh, Benito Jones came clean for a would-be sack, I think, or maybe a, no, 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 no. Check that, check that, check that, check that. Would have been a nice collision in the backfield on a running play. He came clean a couple of times. He's been making some plays here so far uh, in the offseason program. On to the other side of the football, and as much as it sounds like the defense just did whatever they wanted, there were some offensive wins too, and especially, I thought, across the offensive line. I thought Austin Jackson was tremendous today. There was a rep where he dealt with a speed rush by quickly getting into a setup, swiping the hands down, then finishing the rep and getting the rusher onto the ground. And it was Christian Wilkins too. So like, this is a big dude coming off him, coming around him, and he just finds a way to get the hands down, put him on the ground. That does not happen very often. Austin Jackson got it done today. I thought Liam Eichenberg had a lot of reps in the running game where he generated push and created gaps and created space for the running backs. I thought Connor Williams did the exact same thing. And the two UDFAs I thought had some nice work 
Kellen Deesh and Blaze Andrews, both those guys fire off the ball, and it puts them in advantageous situations, and it did so a couple of times today. But I think, man, this line, when they get Teron Armstead going and, and they get the, the positions ultimately sorted out, I think there's a chance for this line to be pretty dang good. The running backs, I am so impressed by Chase Edmonds. I mentioned it on Twitter. You could see his explosiveness in the individual drills. Big Seth comes up to me and goes, what are you watching for? I said, feet, feet, feet. Watch the feet. Watch everybody's feet out here. But he can just sink his hips into those cuts, and it helps him fire out of those breaks, and it translates to the to the actual game too, the, the play, the team drills. He hits a couple of nice runs in practice, and we'll talk to him about that here in the third segment. Really interesting stuff from him on practicing in shorts and shells and how to evaluate it. I mentioned this two weeks ago as well. I think Zaquandre White's vision and feel really gives him a chance to, to make a make some noise here. Saw some more of that today, and his South Carolina tape is full of him finding that backside escape hatch, that fold-back run, and you don't do that without having really sound vision. He's done it a few times now that I've seen him practice. Uh, the quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends, this was the group that I thought struggled the most collectively. There was lots of checkdowns, lots of coverage sacks, but each guy had a, a handful of plays. Tua found Lynn Bowden on the first play with a really nice shot between a pair of defenders, and it's the throw I've been clamoring about to a skill set for, well, since Alabama, right? His ability to get it up over one defender and under the next. Good touch, layering the football, as it's called. I thought that and his ability to anticipate, you know, here's the coverage. Here's where the ball can go against that coverage. thought those were the best traits he had on display in this practice. The ball comes out early on a particular breaking route, and the ball meets the receiver when he gets that part of the route. Good stuff. thought Skylar Thompson had some nice throws, some good zip, checked a lot of balls down, but showed some physical skills. And then Teddy Bridgewater, after an up-and-down day, had a nice rip to Trent Sherfield for a touchdown in red zone work. And that's where we start at receiver. Sherfield. He found the soft spot and showed the quarterback his numbers, made some tough catches, and did a nice little dance after the touchdown catch. Then at the end of practice, he caught a ball laying out, running away from the defensive back, running away from the quarterback with coverage tightly in tow. Had a very nice day. So did Lynn Bowden. That grab from Tua and another one on a similar throw later where he's open but still has to go to the ground and make a tight bang-bang catch. Really nice day for number three. Cedric Wilson continues to catch everything. We heard from him after practice. Excuse me, more on him in just a moment. And then both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle caught touchdowns in the red zone period. And my note there was that you don't just recognize their speed and suddenness in the long game, but also how effective it can be in the red zone, like super effective. They both score a bunch of touchdowns. Waddle had seven last year. Tyreek's usually around 10 in his career. But it's not just 40 plus yard plays. I mean, what was Waddle's longest touchdown last year? 11 yards? <laughs> The guy can get open. <laughs> he can get open down there in the red zone. It reminds me of my scouting report I had on Brandon Cooks out of Oregon State when he came out back in 14. Almost said born in 04. One of my favorite players in that draft because, yeah, he was fast. But his ability to win in condensed spaces and quickly really stood out to me at Senior Bowl and on his Oregon State tape. And this thought that you have to be this big-bodied guy to win in the red zone, it's, it's not the case at all. And I think that Waddle and Hill are prime examples of that. Finally, how about some specialist Thomas Morstead was punting from around midfield during one drill today, and there was lots of lift, and they would wind up putting the ball down around the seven or eight yard line. It would spin towards the goal, the goal line, and the gunner was there to catch it and put that thing down at the one. So many times the ball was downed inside the five yard line in this practice. So fun day. Nothing beats covering football. We'll have another one tomorrow for you guys here on Drive Time. And of course, we have a lot of media to get to here the rest of the way. We'll do that next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Coach Mike McDaniel here next, brought to you by AutoNation.
Back here on this Wednesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. It might be Thursday when you hear us, but we recorded on a Wednesday after Wednesday's practice. And we're going to go ahead and get right now into Coach Mike McDaniel's press conference. If you want to watch this thing in its entirety, go ahead and check out the YouTube channel. If you want to hear my thoughts on it, go ahead and stay here and listen to us talk about Coach McDaniel, who first was asked about the change in schedule to practice. We were out here around noon the last couple of weeks. This week, we are out here right around 10, I think 1045, which is a training camp schedule, I have, uh, sounds like. And that's what Coach McDaniel is going to talk about here in just one second. So here is Coach on the idea of this week of the mandatory minicamp and the scheduling they have, or the thought process, I should say, behind the scheduling. Here's Coach McDaniel. Yeah, from an operational standpoint, um, we adjust it a little bit to uh, uh, kind of coincide with training camp. So they're, they're getting a taste and a... Uh, uh, a taste of what the training camp day is like, uh, minus the pads, obviously. Uh, so it is a little different. Um, this particular um, uh, mini camp, we're kind of doing a collection of all the stuff we've installed as an offense, defense, and special teams, um, and doing that in the mini camp and just using the meeting time to watch tape, uh, as opposed to traditionally in um, training camp or OTAs, you're installing plays. Um, in the morning and at night, so uh, it it's a continuation of. But they had a they had their first non-scripted period um, today, uh, so that was different, which is um, typical of something you work into um, week three of training camp or week two, um, and then uh, but their schedule will be the same as training camp. Really found that part about the unscripted portion of practice today that they don't usually use until week two or three of training camp. And we saw some offensive success there, saw some defensive success as well. Just thought it was really interesting, and I cannot wait. My biggest takeaway is that I cannot wait for training camp because it's my favorite time of year, even though Seth always calls me crazy for it. I just can't wait to get back out on the football field and watch these guys do this thing you know, every day. That's, that's my favorite time of year. Question number two for Coach was talking about the tight ends. And you know, let's go ahead and just hear from Coach about the tight ends as well as blocking, the blocking, I should say, of Mike Kosicki. So it was a... That was a process because you're uh, you're hesitant to just do make foregone conclusions off of statistics or anything like that. So it took a lot of tape watching, and there's um, you know we we knew fully that our that we'd be asking these these guys to do some different things um, than they've done in the past. Um, after a really deep diving and watching all the guys, you know it felt like they're. Not only did they put good stuff on tape, but there was a lot of room to grow. We thought that, um, and, and, the, and the people first and foremost were the type of people that uh, we want to represent us um, as Miami Dolphins. So uh, that that was it was both the tape and, and the people, and it took a little time to uncomb. But um, once we uncombed it, we we felt really good about it. As far as Mike Gusecki, he's he's uh, been as impressive as any player on the team in terms of going after. Uh, a challenge you know he hasn't you, know, you guys probably could rattle off the stats but um, three-point wasn't his primary um, position and he's been working diligently in the run and pass game um, to do things that uh, that this offense can feature uh, without taking away the stuff that that has made him who he is uh, and and there there's pieces of that in the offense you know as we're we're always tailoring tailoring um, what we do to the skill set of our players, but he's really attacked it um, with uh, with full vigor and has uh, has really 
done a great job working on his footwork in the run game and uh, you know hoping that carries over um, to pads when when that happens and whatever month that is hey don't cut coach off <laughs> let him do this we all want to hear from him uh, I thought that was really interesting there the I also thought that there was a theme about how guys just really want to work for this coach and for the staff. Like he's talked about empowering players. We've heard the testimonies of Mike McDaniel's approach and how his players have appreciated what he offers them and how he would say how he's provided value for players, how he would say that, right? I think this is a prime example of that. You see the tight end room constructed before your arrival. You retain that room in its entirety, except for you add one UDFA. And you get that type of effort, that commitment, and that drive already, you love to hear that. It's a great, a great omen for heading forward into the future. Up next, Coach was asked about Melvin Ingram and a couple of the guys, Teron Armstead, who are not working in a full capacity, not dressing down. And here's Coach talking about the plan for those guys and the success they've seen from that already. Definitely. You know, that that's something that we don't want to just throw people out there to throw them out there. And um, they have to be in the prerequisite shape, and we've been working since um, April 4th uh, with, with the rest of the guys. So um, right now, that's kind of the, the limit with which we're comfortable doing with him, and that's exactly why, uh, all things equal, he's added value for the Dolphins because there's a, uh, a, an element of professional success and hunger. You know, He's trying to prove himself as well, just like this team is, um, and we're doing that one day at a time. So that was largely Melvin Ingram. Here he is talking a little bit about Teron Armstead, Raheem Mostert, and guys that are working to get back. Yeah, the progress is that um, we're we're trying to be um, very deliberate and intentional with how we handle all those guys, and it's been very good. We haven't had a setback um, really across the board. Now we are being fairly conservative, um, but that's like a, on an individual basis. Um, you know, you, you, you try to handle that the right way, which, which makes the most sense um, for all parties involved. And we're, uh, when, when they're ready, they'll be out there full, full swing. I can promise you they want to be playing right now. Um, but, you know, between them and the, and the training staff, we're trying to be very pragmatic and smart as we bring them back. Next, here's Coach talking a little bit about Austin Jackson and his work at multiple positions. We know that he played left tackle, left guard last year, and there's some opportunity on this offensive line to find a spot to crack into. Here's Coach talking about the positional versatility and what he's seen from Austin Jackson so far. Um, been pretty pumped um, about how all, all the guys have really gone after the techniques and um, the we're really focusing on some position versatility right now and uh, when uh, when Austin Jackson is playing right tackle um, been been very pleased because he's he's approaching it the way that uh, the only way you can get better as a player and that's complete commitment to it so there's there's some things that you know it's a uh, we're asking people to do uh, hard things at an elite level so you try to do it over and over and over and he's diligently attacking that. So um, the more you know, live bullets that we get um, for him uh, at at every position that he'll play, the the better. I I just love that comment there. And you know, coach is going to be transparent with us because he is transparent. I believe he's being transparent here. 
this has just always been the case with Austin. He's a studious player who works his ass off, plays with a nasty demeanor. I mean, go look at after plays, after good running plays. You'll see him getting into a little bit of, you know, hand fights with guys and just exerting his will a little bit extra. And I know the first two years have had their ups and downs for him, but he's got a chance here. And I think he's been showing you exactly what Mike talks about, that work ethic, the nastiness, and the athletic ability that really kind of shows on his tape. Next here, how about Coach talking about the whole reason he took the job? The orange jersey, sarcasm detected. Well, that's the whole reason I took the job, <laughs> you know, or the orange jersey. Um, no, that it's a. Uh, I, I haven't got any pushback yet, so I haven't had to flex the final say. Um, but uh, collectively, as a coaching staff, there's always been at least one player that's really separated themselves. So it's been easy thus far. I'll keep you abreast if there's any fisticuffs up in the office. His ability to go from smart, like really intelligent football conversation to just like turn it into a buddies having drinks and, and BSing about stuff. I am continually impressed with his ability to how he can flip it on and off. Last question here, talking about the center position. Here's coach talking about what he wants on the offensive line. Lots of good stuff here in this answer. Here it is in its full entirety. Full entirety. I think you have to be careful to, to pigeonhole who, who is doing what and when. Okay, I think that... That isn't fair to the process. Um, I'm, I will say that we have, uh, if no other player is added, that um, I'm going to be very confident in our starting center next year. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited about who we have, um, but you don't close the door or pigeonhole anything because it's just not fair to the process. You know, these guys are out here sweating in, in uh, what is this, May or June 1st, um, and it, you wouldn't be doing service to June 1st or 2nd if you um, made some bold statement. That's why we practice and that's why we uh, work diligently as we do. There you go, Coach McDaniel. You guys can see the entire thing up on the team YouTube channel if you have not done so already. We're going to come back on the other side with Chase Edmonds, Teron Armstead, and Cedric Wilson. You do not want to miss that. My favorite part of the entire day. Up next, Drive Time Podcast, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. We are back here on this day one coverage of mandatory mini camps on June the 1st here from the Baptist Health Training Complex. We are in the Baptist Health Studio talking to you here on the Drive Time Podcast. And we kick it off here for our three-player interviews with running back Chase Edmonds, who I thought was potentially an orange jersey type of guy in this practice. Let's go ahead and kick it off here about just how it feels to be back on the grass, back at practice, working with this new team. Here's Chase Edmonds. Felt good. Obviously, I got to get used to this heat. Uh, but just to be out here with the team, be out here with the guys grinding hard, we're really trying to build something special here. And, you know, Coach McDaniel just always talks about when we want to build something special, it's going to be a lot of hard work. So just having guys bought into the system, having guys bought into the work, taking care of each other, and just I'm excited to be out here with the guys now. How about what makes Chase confident in how this system can help his skill set and the skills of his running backs in that room? Here's Edmonds, some really good stuff here, talking scheme and X's and O's. Yeah, I mean, I played against it, you know, for the last four years. Uh, it's something special, uh, just with how they kind of disguise everything and kind of window dress and make everything look like the same. Really confuses the defense, and it holds the defense to really be disciplined and just have gap integrity. And um, I think that's something that I'm pretty good at, specializing with my, my zone scheme. And I'm, I'm excited to just get it under the zone and kind of, you know, work my feet, work the rhythm. It's a different scheme than what I'm used to. I was uh, predominantly inside zone. So just working my feet, getting used to the outside zone track, getting used to the outside zone feel, how certain lanes feel, but uh, just working to build to something special, man. And how about evaluating practices without pads at a position that's all about contact in the running game? Here's Chase Edmonds talking about how he does that. 
Yeah, I always felt like, uh, you know, OTA should always be just about a mental emphasis. Um, I just feel like, especially with the NFL going to 17 games, you, it's a pounding enough. You know, I feel like guys got to come out here, get the playbook down so that when we have that six weeks off, it can stay fresh in our mind. We come back to camp and, you know, you don't really miss a step. So you hit a couple of big runs. Do you count those as big runs or does it not count when the, there's no contact? No, it don't count with no pads. <laughs> that's, that's my opinion. You know, uh, you, you separate the men from the boys once the pads get on. Um, but again, I think it's just important for us to obviously get the scheme down, get the plays down, and most importantly, just take care of each other. You know, uh, in past season, you had guys, you lose guys in May. There's no reason for that. So just coming out here, making sure we're taking care of each other and getting good, solid work. So how do you, when you go back and watch the film, how do you assess it? If yeah, I mean, you assess it by just your tracks. You assess it by, like, obviously the lanes that are there. We're still playing football, you know. But I just feel like from my personal standpoint, uh, as, a, as a running back, you know, it's not real until you get the pads on. You don't really get to feel the lanes. You don't really get to feel kind of the, the scheme, the, the tempo, really, especially the tempo changes so much from pads to no pads. Who chirps the most in the defense? Who chirps the most? Yeah. Uh, Raekwon, 98. Raekwon and uh, C. Wilk. But I was just talking to the guys, man. I mean, that's what it is, but we got some dogs on defense. That's the first thing I took notice about with just being out here is just uh, really the physicality and that we have a really solid defense. Wanted to go ahead and let that run on its own there with the Q&A and back and forth because of how smooth and how good it was there talking to Chase Edmonds. Let's go ahead and finish up here talking about the defense and how and where they are and how he kind of sees their continuity having impact so far early on in practice. We'll hear from more about this from Teron Armstead as well. Yeah, so we got a lot of new guys on offense, man. Um, everybody coming from different places. We're all still trying to get the scheme down, get the plays down. Football is very universal in the sense that a lot of the plays are the same, but the language is just different. So it's really just about changing my language that I've been used to from Arizona, or like Tyreek's been used to in Kansas City, coming here and just establishing that in our mindset. So the defense, you know, they got what, like all their starters back, I think. So they're already kind of continuity. We're pretty used to everything and they're flowing well. He also talked a little bit about how he and Sonny Michelle were combine roommates. Now they're reunited again here in South Florida. Let's go next to Teron Armstead, who was asked about that same unscripted portion of practice that Coach McDaniel mentioned early on. Here's Teron Armstead and what he saw in that period. A lot of energy, a lot of energy, um, highly competitive from, from both sides, which is, which is a great thing, you know, kind of training to be in those uh, real life situations, circumstances. Uh, I think I, I think everything's been going pretty good. Like still a learning curve, of course. You know, new new offense, new players, but uh, positive. Man, I think the I think the guys' performance has, has built the confidence in him that you know they can handle it. And uh, even even that period that you that you're speaking about, I, I think it, it went well. You know, we had some offensively, we had some bad plays, but we also had some some explosives. So that was him talking about the decision to go with the unscripted portion at practice and what it says about not just the players, but also Mike's faith in the system and the players' work within that system. He was then asked about working with the young offensive line, talked about it being a great room, how he's blessed to be with those guys because they work so extremely hard and they're so open to coaching and they want to be successful. And I asked him, do they ask you a lot of questions? And he said, yeah, they do, but not too much. And it's been great. But I want to play this audio clip for you here talking about Rob Hunt, Austin Jackson, and why the scheme helps those guys and what he believes makes them good players and how the potential that they have is still untapped. Yeah, I mean, you, you see guys like Rob Hunt, Austin Jackson, just ex extremely explosive. Like, they, they jump off the film, you know. Uh, so, and those guys are just tapping into what they are becoming as, as players, as pros. Uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. And then the, the scheme, the offense that we're, that we're running, uh, that allows you to um, show those those abilities and use that athleticism and explosiveness. So uh, it's exciting. How about his skill set and his 
anxiousness to get back onto the field. Are you anxious to get back out there, Teron? Here he is. Oh, I am. I am. I mean, I'm. Uh, I'm anxious to get into this to this offense, this game. Uh, you know, I think it fits my skill set pretty pretty well. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm gonna keep saying that word because I because I truly am. Just ready to to get out there and, and you know show what I can do and and that fit. So we heard from Chase Edmonds earlier about counting the long runs and non-contact practices. Teron has a grievance with that. Here he is talking about the quality or the takeaway from good blocks this time of year. I disagree because <laughs> it's harder to it's hard to run the ball in in, in this dress, you know, in underwear. Uh, you know, guys can share, defense can share it a lot easier without the pads on. So you're getting explosive runs in, in this in this dress. I uh, I mean, it's not real football, don't get me wrong, but lanes, like you're creating lanes, that carries over. Here's some more from Armstead on his mentor role and how he embraces that role on this football team and in his entire career. Uh, man, it look, it's pretty, it's pretty natural, man. It's just, I'm always just looking to help any way, any way I can. You know, I'm at, I'm at these guys' service. Um, been that way for the last several years. You know, I've been a captain for the last five years uh, in New Orleans, so it's just, just a part of who I am as a player. And I get knowledge, information. I just the, the guy to share it. We heard Chase Edmonds talk about the Dolphins' defense. What about Teron Armstead? One word. Dangerous, man. They're really dangerous. The looks, uh, the speed. So it's a ton of speed throughout the defense, you know. Um, and the, the pre-snap looks create a lot of challenges. We'll create a lot of challenges throughout the season, you know. Regardless of who we're playing, it's tough. It's hard to it's hard to pick up. And then uh, just adding adding players like Melvin. You know, the things that he can do, uh, that's another piece of versatility. Yeah, really good stuff there from Teron Armstead and Chase Edmonds. Let's go ahead and finish up here with wide receiver Cedric Wilson, who first was asked about playing outside and in the slot and why he believes that the slot position really benefits his skill set. I mean, I feel like I can play both in and outside. I definitely uh, like the slot a little more. I feel like that's where I strive at. And closer to the quarterback, so you get the ball easier. Why do you feel like... You, just because you're closer to the ball? Uh, yeah, you're closer to the ball. Most more shorter routes. Uh, usually the quarterback's trying to get the ball out of his hand. I asked Cedric this back on the Drive Time podcast when he signed, but I thought it was worth following up on because now he's been on the grass with these guys. How does this offense help benefit and really magnify what you do well? I feel like it opens up the field um, just with coach being able to call the plays that he knows going to work. And he, um, he for sure knows who should get the ball when the coverage shows it. And when I know the ball's coming to me, that's always a good sign. How about being on the field with Tyreek and Jalen? How does their speed help your, uh, your game out? I mean, the defense is looking at them the whole time. So usually I get one-on-one um, -on -one and that's my job to win. Short and sweet there with Cedric Wilson, but he makes plenty of plays in practice, which speaks for itself, so we always appreciate that from the guys. We're back at it tomorrow with you guys here. We're covering another day of practice back on the field on Thursday and full coverage of that here on the Drive Time Podcast. We have the spaces tonight. That should be uh, just a couple hours, depending on when the show comes out for you guys here on the podcast. And then more coverage next week with one more practice right ahead of summer break, but we'll still have content for you then as well. Check out all the media veils on YouTube. I'm going to do a What We Missed over the course of OTA so far podcast this coming Monday, so check that out as well from the stuff that was left on the cutting room floor from these podcasts, so we'll continue to cover these practices as in-depth as you'll find out there in the podcast realm. All things told, 
starting to feel a lot like football around here, man. And I can't wait. In the meantime, you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ, our weekly Twitter Spaces show, the YouTube channel for media availabilities, drive time interviews, Dolphins Today, and much, much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy's coming home.